related to COVID-19, there's a lot of fog. So today, let's clear the fog and let's look at what God wants us, his people, to do. So let's get started. Why do we have this fog? And it's related actually to what I shared in my previous insights video that there's hype, there's exaggeration, there's things going on because either it moves a certain agenda along or it uh, it sells newspapers, so to speak. You know, it makes for good headlines with the news. I just saw Cuomo actually critique the New York Times on a certain story they had written because he, as, as Governor Cuomo said, yeah, it made for a great headline, but what was actually in the story was not exactly accurate. So we're running into this kind of stuff all the time. But fundamentally, God is always doing stuff. And we have to understand this though also, is that Satan is always doing stuff. In John chapter 8, Jesus talked about a father of lies. And that, when he brings those lies forth, it's like things that were once clear. It's like, whoa, now I'm confused and we're living in a fog. So first thing is we got to realize that the enemy is trying to bring this fog in while I believe God is doing real stuff in our nation and the world right now through the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's recognize that and when we start to look at things and starts to realize hmm, that doesn't feel right then we go aha uh -huh, the enemy might be behind this uh, there's been just a lot of things that i would describe as smoke and mirrors with this whole coronavirus and how it's been reported and how they're saying we need to respond to it we'll get into that here in a few minutes but but fundamentally we should be able to sniff this out smell it when things don't feel right and especially when they're not lining up with the truth and specifically the, the truth in scripture. Now, this shouldn't surprise us that we have an all-powerful God who's doing stuff and then the enemy's trying to sneak in and hijack things. Uh, we'll talk more about this later, but for right now, 2 Samuel chapter 24, it explains that David found himself in the midst of a pestilence and bringing the remedy, God's remedy to it. But if you look at the same account in 1 Chronicles 21, it says that Satan was involved doing stuff. So there you go. We have both of these supernatural forces, obviously God being the greater, much greater, but we have both forces at play. Now, also, Jonathan Edwards, the leader and pastor in America's first great awakening, 1730s, 1740s, he talked about this. He said the more that they saw God move in the great awakening, this great revival, the more they actually saw Satan get active. And so there was a fundamental flaw that, that happened back then. I want to explain it now because it helps us sort out this and get rid of the fog related to this pandemic that we're experiencing right now today in this nation. So in Jonathan Edwards' day, some people were saying everything related to this awakening, the move of God, everything going on in the church was from God. Other people saw it as emotionalism and had other negative critiques about it and they said none of this is from God. Well, Jonathan Edwards steps in the middle and he says, some of this is from God. And that's what we have to realize about what's going on today with COVID-19. God can use it and is using it, but it's not all from God. And in the second part of this video, I want to talk about how to respond in faith. In other words, be in alignment with what God's doing as he's shaking our nation, shaking this world. 
but I got to include this right now because it's very, very good and helpful in terms of responding in faith, not fear, and to actually accomplishing God's purposes. We know that whenever pressure is brought to an individual life, a culture, a whole nation, in this case, the whole world, we know that God is trying to wake people up, that God is shaking us so that we will turn to him. He doesn't do this because he hates us. He does this because he loves us and he wants us to spend eternity with him. Well, in that vein, uh, Renee, who's been doing most of the shopping, if not all of the shopping since we've been on this stay-at-home order, uh, she, she has been asking this great question. And by the way, if it's your first time watching here, Renee is my wife. And Renee has been waiting in line, for example, to get into the grocery store because they only allow so many people in at, at any given moment. And she strikes up conversations. And this is the question that she has been asking people. So, do you think God is trying to get our attention through this coronavirus pandemic? And people sometimes look at her surprised, other ways, whatever, but what a great conversation starter. And as much of the gospel we can get into such a conversation, great, but even if we don't get the whole gospel and they're bowing their heads in prayer to receive Christ within that one conversation, we got people to think about this from a heavenly perspective. What is God doing? Does he know about this whole pandemic? Does he care? What could he be trying to do through it? And so Renee has been asking this question. I wish I would have thought of it. Um, but she did, and I want to pass it along to you that I believe that if Christians across the country would begin to ask people this question, whether it's in the grocery store line or in phone conversations, just simply ask. So do you think God's trying to get our attention through this coronavirus pandemic? And just let the conversation unfold. I think we could move the needle in this, in this country. You know, in Forerunners of America, our tagline is warning the nation and responding in faith. And as I've often said, we want to see, be, see people become dramatically more fruitful, especially with the gospel, um, as we continue to walk things out in our nation. And I believe uh, this question is a great question to help you, to help me become dramatically more fruitful. Now, before going on, I want to uh, compare the numbers worldwide and in the U U.S. in terms of confirmed cases of COVID-19 and deaths uh, from where we were at two weeks ago, the last time that uh, we produced one of these videos, and today. And so this will be comparing April 3rd with April 17th. So worldwide confirmed cases over that time went from just over 1 million on April 3rd to just over 2 million on April 17th. And the worldwide deaths from, from the virus went from 56,000 to 148,000. Now here in the U.S., the confirmed cases went from 255,000 to 672,000, and the deaths um, in this nation went from 6,600 to 33,000. So that's what uh, the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Research Center website, that's what it tells us. And, um, and we have something significant going on here. There is a shaking. With that said, I want to remind us that the people that get COVID-19 and recover is 99% and probably more than that. I talked about that two weeks ago. I'm going to briefly touch on it here again in a minute. But let's just compare 
this, this flu season with COVID-19. So from October of 2019 through the end of March of 2020, so far the CDC tells us that there's been between 39 million and 55 million flu cases. There's been 400,000 hospitalizations and as many as 63,000 deaths from the flu. So again, as we can see, not just from COVID-19, but also from the flu, there is a shaking going on in our nation. So let's focus on clearing the fog. The first layer of fog that I want to address is this whole business of, it seems like if you listen to the media, um, so much of the news and, and websites and videos, like half of our population is going to be dead by this July. Well, again, probably not only 1% of the population that contracts COVID-19 will die, but it's probably far less than 1%. We're not hearing that. I wish before every newscast, I wish they'd say, now we're going to ex explain some really volatile things going on in our culture, but we want to take a step back and let you know in the big picture that it is less than 1% of the people that die from COVID-19. Why this is such a layer of fog is because we have a fairly accurate death rate as far as we know related to this, but how many people have had it is still an unknown. We're only going off of confirmed cases. So when you look at various websites, it often shows more of like a two to 5% uh, rate uh, in the population is actually dying from COVID-19. But remember that 80 to 96% of the people that get COVID-19, they are either asymptomatic meaning they have no symptoms, they didn't even know they had it, or they're minimally symptomatic. In either case, they never were tested, so they're not factored in to the overall number of people that actually contracted the virus. So we're at 2 to 5%, not including that group. Now, hopefully, as they, they study the antibodies that people have developed in the broader culture, hopefully we'll be able to get an accurate percentage. But 80 and the 96% who have never been tested are not being factored in. So I hope that clears some fog. I really drilled down on that in detail a couple weeks ago during that Insights video. Now, though I do think there's something else going on. Again, this creates fog. We have smoke and mirrors. What's going on here? We got to understand this. I believe there's something else going on here that could make that 1% look worse. And that is this. Dr. Scott Jensen, who's a medical doctor in Minnesota, he's also part of the Minnesota Senate. So he's in the state legislature. He has been trying to sound the alarm that there's been fuzzy language that has come from the CDC as well as from state government, his and probably others, but fuzzy language about who to count is a COVID-19 death. And he has not seen this before. If you listen to him in his interviews and what he's describing, this has not happened like when they've asked for numbers related to the seasonal or annual flu that goes around. And he has been trying to get people's attention on this thing. So he explains this, for example, somebody could be in a car accident and they, as he said, they have a collapsed lung. They're in the ER, let's say for 20 minutes and they pass away. But either before they pass away or right after they pass away, they do a blood test and they find that patient as 
positive for COVID-19, that that person can be counted into the death rate, even though it was clearly the car accident that killed the person. So here again, smoke and mirrors, what's going on with the numbers? Now he also explains that because of Medicare, there is a financial incentive for hospitals, doctors, whoever, to put more people in the camp of, of dying from COVID-19 than to put down other maladies related issues that were really the primary cause of the death. And in Dr. Jensen's own words, he explains that hospitals can get $13,000 from diagnosing, admitting somebody who has COVID-19. So in other words, they get a financial kickback. He said they'll get $39,000 from Medicare if that person needed a ventilator. So suddenly there is another uh, dynamic going on here that could cause people to be tempted and move in the direction of getting those funds and the number of deaths related to COVID-19 clearly would go up. The second layer of fog that I want to address here before we get into God's call on us and what he wants us to do as believers is that this whole area of shutdowns, uh, even what's been described as lockdown, states under complete shutdown, stay-at-home orders, this kind of stuff. Is this necessary or not? And again, it's confusing. As I just read a few minutes ago, we have had over 33,000 deaths in this nation from COVID-19 so far. Whoa, it sounds like we better hurry up and shut everything down. Or is this going to have detrimental effects and what's really going on? So again, another area of confusion. I don't want us to get caught up in lies of the enemy and in those smoke and mirrors. Well, I have a friend whose name will uh, remain anonymous and he's a leader in a hospital and he gets a report of every part of the hospital and in his hospital they have an entire floor set aside just for COVID-19 patients and the last time I talked to him he said there's not one person on that floor. Now I will share this with you. He lives somewhere in flyover country. So in other words, he's not from the East Coast or the West Coast. That's all I'll give you. But the point is, is he's like, we have so overreacted with these shutdowns and what's going on. Uh, Renee and I have a pharmacy friend and he explained that he and the other pharmacists, that they don't have really much at all to do right now. So it's like, it, it's again, there's all this um, anecdotal evidence. It seems like we have way overreacted. And living in Michigan, as Renee and I do, it's obvious that we need to change things. I, I will say this, it's good that our federal government, President Trump did not do a one-size-fits-all solution for the entire country, but he's allowed governors to make their own choices. But I'll say this, to really clear the fog on this, we need to let counties, local municipalities, the people have a voice in this and to decide this. Because here we are in Michigan, and you probably saw this state more than any other on the news this last week because of the extreme lockdown measures that Governor Whitmer declared. And so here we are moving into uh, a Resurrection Sunday, and uh, often families get together for for a meal on Easter. Well, Governor Whitmer said no gatherings, regardless of the size, regardless of family members, are you allowed to have? It seemed like a clear overreach of government's power. Now, of course, you probably also saw in the news that there was 
a protest on Wednesday, April 14th, because people are upset about this. It feels like micromanagement. And this is what one organizer said, the organizer of uh, Operation Gridlock. She, she said this, quarantine is when you restrict movement of sick people. Tyranny is when you restrict the movement of healthy people. So here, here we are, obviously, in a situation that if we, we even allow state governors to decide blanket policy for, for the state, there can be a, a huge overreach of government power. And just to summarize my point, most of the COVID-19 cases in Michigan, they're all over in the Detroit area. We live on the opposite side of Michigan. Again, it's just obvious that we need more uh, thoughtful uh, approaches to this thing and not just going after this one-size-fits-all. I think of one um, person who wrote in the opinion section in Minnesota, his name's Steve Hallstrom, and he was explaining that there are ways to do social distancing in business, and even if you were to go out to eat, you don't have to fill every table. Restaurants could do that, and that we have way overreacted. And in summary, in his opinion piece, he said this, he said, why are we treating New York Mills, Minnesota, the same as they're treating New York City? New York Mills, Minnesota is a town of 1,200 people without hardly any confirmed cases. And of course, we all know what's going on with New York City and the multi-millions of people that live there. And I think he makes a great point. So in this last part of this Insights video, I want to summarize about responding in faith. Again, I think the question that Renee came up with really hits the sweet spot. Just asking whether it's Christians or non-Christians. Asking, do you think God's trying to get our attention through this COVID-19 pandemic? Great question. Just begin to move people down the path of thinking about spiritual issues and what's really going on here because I absolutely believe that God is trying to get our attention. Now, in terms of responding in faith in other ways, I absolutely believe that God's will and purpose is for his people to lead in this moment and to lead the nation out of this COVID-19 pandemic. To simply wait for the government to tell us what to do, that is not God's way. It is not the solution, in my opinion. Now, in the Bible, in the English Standard Version, the ESV, 54 times the word pestilence is used. That's the same word that we use today for a pandemic or an epidemic. Now, also, there's a number more times the word plague is used. Sometimes the plague is related to sickness and health issues. Sometimes it's other kinds of plagues. Um, so you kind of have to sort that out when you're looking at the word plague throughout the Bible. However, this is not as small of a theme or topic within the scriptures as we often think it is. God has a major opinion on this. Now, of the 54 times, only three times is pestilence used to, to comfort people and to say that God will protect you as it is in Psalm 91. And by the way, Psalm 91 Verse 1 explains that it is conditional that if we are in the shelter of the Most High, he will protect us. So we shouldn't just proclaim Psalm 91 for everyone in our church or in our community or family or whatever. Psalm 91 is for those who have come under the Lordship of Christ and are following him. It's so important that we lead in that way. But also, 
that we understand that pestilence used in the Bible, these kinds of pandemic illnesses, that these things are often, if not always, the case that, that the people have rebelled against God, they have gone wayward, they are against his will and ways, and that God himself is shaking the people through a pestilence. This is a major teaching in scripture that is so vital that we understand today. One of those spots I mentioned earlier is 2 Samuel chapter 24, where David finds himself in the middle of a pestilence and God calls him to build an altar on Aruna's threshing floor, build an altar there, and then that, that this, the, the plague, the pestilence would stop. One thing you see here in other places, whenever God stops a pestilence, a pandemic, he does it through his people. He calls us to do something. Now, this should be very much in line with what I shared a few weeks ago related to 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. That in 7, 13, God identifies the problem, a pestilence, a pandemic. In verse 14, he gives four clear action points as believers because that, that verse is all about his people. Four areas that we should do. We should humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn or repent from our wicked ways. That is God's remedy. But in addition to all of that, what we see is, is that God's calling us in Romans 12, 1 and 2 to be living sacrifices. So we talk about 2 Samuel 24, an altar. Now we're talking about a sacrifice, living sacrifices, us as believers, I think that God is calling us as believers to give our lives over to him unreservedly according to 2 Chronicles 7.14, to actually create that altar in a modern way that 2 Samuel chapter 24 talks about that David did in the physical, that we do this by faith in the spiritual according to Romans 12 and 1 and 2. This will be the, the thing that catches God's attention that will help to diminish or lift the, the pandemic off the land. God will only use government so much. He is calling us as his people to make the difference by coming before him in humility, repentance, and faith and to look to him for the answer. I look forward to being with you next time on Insights.